the XFL is the football league of the future. The NBA All-Star Game is the worst sports product currently offered in North America. And the Super Bowl is rigged. We're going to get into whether these takes have any legitimacy and more on this episode of Lots of Thoughts, a sports podcast. Without further ado, let's get into it. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening to this episode of the podcast. I really appreciate all the support. Um, It's been great for the growth of not only the audio platform, but the YouTube. Uh, If you're not already subscribed, check us out on YouTube at Lots of Thoughts Sports. Uh, If you are on YouTube and you want to listen to us on an audio platform, you can find us just search lots of thoughts, a sports podcast, or click the links in the description. You'll find us on any uh, podcast platform, Apple podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google podcasts. You can visit our website, lots of thoughts.godaddysites.com. There you can access the podcast, the newsletter, the YouTube merchandise, and all the socials. I'm not going to drop all the ads. They're all in the description. Most of which were at lots of thoughts sports, but a few that are different. Follow us on whatever platform you'd like. Uh, Once again, thank you for all the support over the past few months. I know there hasn't been a lot of content recently, an update on my personal life. If you you know me personally and you don't know this already, then I apologize that this is the way you're finding out, but I got married recently. So there has not been a lot of content out this past week, but we're looking to ramp that up soon, um, starting with this episode. And it's kind of a multifaceted episode. I put out uh, an episode, if you haven't seen it already, I I highly, highly recommend you go back and watch it. Um, The last episode that was put out, episode 57, I believe, of the podcast. And uh, I had special guest Matthew Burwald on his second uh, episode with me here on Lots of Thoughts Sports, and it was our second annual predicting the uh, next year's week one NFL starting quarterbacks for each team, and it's a lot of fun. I encourage you to listen to that episode, put down your own list of who who you think is going to start for each team and compare as we go uh, ahead toward the football season. We're kind of trying to predict all the free agency moves, all the draft moves, all the trades potentially, and there's a lot of quarterback movement in the offseason and uh, you know, potential quarterback movement in the offseason. And I'd love to talk about that on this episode, but I'm going to, I'm going to save that for future episodes. And we did talk about quite a bit of it on, on that episode. So if you're, if you're starving for NFL off season content, go back and watch that. We are going to talk about the Super Bowl. We are going to talk about the XFL and the NBA all-star game. Let's start with the Super Bowl though. Um, I've seen a lot of takes that it's rigged because of that late call between Kansas city and Philadelphia. And I have to say, I think the call is correct. I'm going to come out and say that right now. I think you make that call 10 times out of 10. It sucks that that's the way the Super Bowl is going to be remembered. These were two teams that were fairly even. Two really good quarterbacks, right? Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Um, and Jalen Hurts is a really an up, up-and-coming quarterback. And even though... Even though this game had its ups and downs, had a lot of moments that people can look back on and enjoy, it's going to be remembered for that last holding call. And if you didn't see it, um, who was it that that held? Uh, was it, it wasn't CJ Gardner Johnson? It was um, was it Bradbury? Yeah, I think it was Bradbury that held uh, Juju Smith-Schuster last play, uh, second to last play, I guess. It led to. Uh, a big gain and Kansas city ended up winning, taking the lead and winning it there. And listen, 
did that decide the game? No, no, in my opinion, it didn't. It was a key pivotal issue and a key moment. But the Eagles had plenty of times that they could have put that game to bed. They were up 10 at one point at halftime, right? And even though that's something reasonable for Kansas City to make up in a half, it's still an opportunity for Philadelphia that they could have taken to really – uh, you know, put the stake in the heart of Kansas City, in the heart of Mahomes. And if you score enough points on that defense, Mahomes can, you know, it's going to have a tough time coming back. But he came back. They came back as a team. Um, And Philadelphia, you can't say Philadelphia didn't have their opportunities earlier in the game to make big plays. It sucks that, like I said, it sucks that this is how it's going to be remembered, but you make that call 10 times out of 10. And the the, the ridiculous take that this game is rigged because of that is, is absolutely ludicrous. And I know there was a call earlier in the game where the same defensive back, I believe it was James Bradbury, uh, got away with something a little more egregious. And then later on, they kind of tightened the ropes. And I don't think that's the best way to officiate a football game. You can make the argument that every play is going to have a holding if you call it. But there was a clear moment in that play where James Bradbury pulled on the jersey of Juju Smith-Schuster. And you just can't let that go that late. I don't know if it was a catchable ball or not. I don't know if Patrick Mahomes kind of aired it out a little bit because he saw the hold. Because it it sure seemed like Patrick Mahomes knew there was going to be a flag coming. Um, The flag hadn't been thrown when he threw the ball, but it seemed like he knew it was on its way. So I'm not sure about the the whole overall merit of the play, but I can tell you that that should be called 10 times out of 10 and it sucks that it happened there. Overall, I thought the game was a good one. You know, Kansas city came back. Well, um, halftime show was great with Rihanna. Uh, I, a lot of people watch that apparently more than, than watch the actual Super Bowl. but you know, it was a great ending to the season. I think it was the two best NFL teams and I predicted a Chiefs win by a touchdown. Uh, never would have guessed the score that high, 35-38. And it was a field goal, not a touchdown. So I, I guess I was uh, a little bit off there. But nonetheless, uh, congrats to, to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And, and of course, Jalen Hurts, after he gets paid, they're going to be back again relatively soon. Patrick Mahomes is really an interesting conversation. It's something I talked about on a previous episode. Um, what was that? About two weeks ago now. Um where the question now becomes not whether the Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, because I think he's clear away the best quarterback in the league. And you can disagree with me if you want. You could argue Joe Burrow. I guess you could argue Josh Allen, but I'd take Patrick Mahomes over both of them without a shadow of a doubt. I think you could start to place him on greatest of all time lists. And I'm not saying he's outshining Tom Brady. I'm not saying he's outshining Joe Montana. I don't even think he's outshining guys like Peyton Manning or Dan Marino, but he's in the conversation. He's got two championships. He's putting up incredible stats and the eye test, man, the eye test is what really does it. I think if you, you look at quarterbacks all the time and it's, it's a unique position in sports where they're given so much credit for the win that I, I don't think players in other sports are, especially players limited to one position. You look at the NBA, right? There is there is a lot of narrative around stars having rings, and a lot of people say Jordan having six kind of elevates him over LeBron only having four. But it's not confined to a single position, right? LeBron's a forward, sometimes plays point guard. Uh, Jordan, right, of course, a shooting guard, although sometimes plays small forward. Um, 
Steph Curry is a shooting guard who's had, you know, more recent success in the championship window. Did I say shooting guard? I meant point guard, obviously. Um, it's not always that your best players at one position or your most impactful players at one position. Whereas in the NFL, when we're talking about all time greats and who's the greatest of all time outside of Jerry Rice, I don't think there's a non quarterback in the top 10 of top NFL players of all time. So the way that quarterbacks are so dependent on the championships and the game that they win is unique to them and baseball. Don't even get me started. I mean, who cares about rings, right? Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. Maybe it's Shohei Otani. It doesn't matter. Either way, they're both on the Angels, and the Angels have been awful. So football has, and quarterbacks themselves as a position, have a unique narrative on, on winning and losing. And Patrick Mahomes, being only 27, already has a second ring. He still has five more to catch up to Brady, right? He's He's only tied Peyton Manning now. But in terms of the eye test... His talent is incredible to watch. He makes throws that make you realize as, as a football fan that he's different. And and I, as someone who roots for a team in the New York Jets who have had absolutely awful quarterback play for the past, I don't know, decades or so, um, several decades, who've been looking for their franchise quarterback outside of a year from Favre and a few from Vinny Testaverde and a few from Chad Pennington and and a fluky run from Mark Sanchez have been looking for their franchise quarterback since Joe Namath, since Super Bowl four. Um, I think it's an interesting conversation to uh, see the difference. Or it's an interesting comparison to see the difference between a guy like Patrick Mahomes and a guy who starts for the Jets. It doesn't matter. Pick any one of them, right? It's Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, Sam Darnold, Mike White. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Um, you really notice the difference in, in talent and ability in production in, uh, you know, just overall mindset, just the ability to stay in a play and make a play where it doesn't seem like there's going to be one available. And that's what Patrick Mahomes does. He makes plays when they don't seem to be available. Steve Young talked about this on several platforms. I think on ESPN, uh, is where I saw it in that Patrick Mahomes has a level above, uh, other quarterbacks in the league right now, like Joe Burrow, because he's able to run and get those free yards that are down in the middle of the field that weren't there 10, 15, 20 years ago in the NFL, or weren't there, you know, 30, 40 years ago when Steve Young played. And not only is his running ability, something like that, but his ability to scramble and make a play with incredible arm angles, incredible throwing angles in terms of where his body is positioned is something that I think is unmatched among NFL quarterbacks in today's game. And maybe all time, maybe all time. If I had to say the most talented quarterback of all time, I think Patrick Mahomes ranks higher on the list. But when we say greatest of all time, right? Brady's got to top that list and he's not the most talented of all time, but his success, his accomplishments, his uh, accuracy are definitely things that propel him to number one. Um, but I think Patrick Mahomes is not far down that list. And I think if he wins two, three, four more championships, I think we're talking about them in the same breath. If not Patrick Mahomes, just a step above Brady because of his natural talent and his ability on the football field and his, his passing of the eye test that I think Brady doesn't always, or hasn't always done. Nonetheless, a fun season. Um, I'm excited for football next year, man. Um, speaking of football, the XFL. 
started this past week. And if you're not familiar, this is a startup league that's been off and on as time has gone out, uh, gone throughout Vince McMahon most recently owned it and then sold it to Dwayne, the rock Johnson and a few other investors for around $15 million. There's eight current franchises and I'm going to run through them just in case you're not familiar. I highly, highly, highly encourage you to check out some games. Even if you're not a football fan and you're interested in hearing uh, you know, the comparison of the sports or you're interested in getting into a new sport, or if you are a football fan, which I assume you are because you're listening to this podcast um, I, and you're doubtful about the XFL and its potential to rival the NFL, please, please watch a game and please listen to what I have to say first. The NFL cannot be rivaled. I'm just going to say that right off the bat. The NFL is king in the United States of America. And I, everything I'm going to speak to talking about football is of course relative to the united states although the nfl is making attempts to expand internationally i think there's a a path open for that uh, especially in europe and other countries in north america but that's not not today's conversation and i I love to make a whole podcast episode on on expansion especially international expansion uh in the nfl but focusing on the united states of america football is king and the nfl is king doesn't matter what's going on the NFL game is always going to reign supreme. It's the same reason that other sports don't compete with the NFL directly. It's the same reason that basketball games are scheduled in the morning of Super Bowl Sunday or the early afternoon, and they don't compete with uh, the Super Bowl. It's the same reason that college football plays on Saturdays. It doesn't dare rival the NFL on Sundays. And even though they have separate spaces, right, college football is is very prominent in separate uh, geographic areas like the South, Uh, The southern United States, you know, towards Alabama, Mississippi, uh, that kind of area, Georgia, Um, and the NFL is more popular and more of the big cities in the north. It doesn't matter. College football is not going to compete with the NFL when it comes to viewership and watchability. So they don't. They just don't. And you don't blame them whatsoever. You can't blame them. I think the biggest mistake when it comes to expansion leagues like the XFL, like the USFL, like the AAF um, that have been around in previous existences is that they try to compete with the NFL. And I think I think Dwayne The Rock Johnson has done a unique thing here in in avoiding doing that. First, I want to run through the teams and and what I think is awesome about this league. So. Um, I'm just going to briefly go through. We have the San Antonio Brahmas coached by Heinz Ward. Um, of course, former Steelers player and also had some coaching experience. Um, Super Bowl, multi-time Super Bowl champion. He had the Arlington Renegades, a reiteration of the Dallas Renegades. Now moving to Arlington coached by Bob Stoops, of course, of University of Oklahoma fame. Um, then we have the Houston Roughnecks coached, coached by Wade Phillips. You might remember his father was the head coach of the Houston Oilers uh, as Bum Phillips uh, back in the day. Wade Phillips has been all around. I think he was most recently the defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. I want to say when Sean McVay took over there, Um, incredible coach and probably should have a job in the NFL. Uh, The Seattle Sea Dragons coached by Jim Hazlitt, who's been around the NFL quite a bit. Um, St. Louis Battlehawks coming back, bringing football back to St. Louis, coached by Anthony Becht, who also coached in um, the, was it the AAF, I believe, for San Diego? Or that might have been the first edition of the XFL. I'm not I'm not too sure on that. Uh, the DC Defenders, coached by Reggie Barlow, who most recently coached at Virginia State and also had a, a pretty good playing career in the NFL. 
the Vegas Vipers coached by Rod Woodson, uh, coached and played for the Raiders for a while, uh, multi-time All-Pro in the NFL. And then we have Terrell Buckley coaching the Orlando Guardians. Uh, of course, he, he was most recently with Ole Miss, but uh, also had a, a a pretty deep playing career uh, spanning around 10 years, 15 years in the NFL, Super Bowl champion as well. Now, these are some these are some decent names. When I looked at the the XFL coaching list, the last iteration before COVID, when Vince McMahon ran it and then shut it down, I thought, oh, OK, I've heard of some of these guys. In this one, I've heard of every single one of these guys. Terrell Buckley, Rod Woodson, Reggie Barlow, Anthony Beck, Jim Hazlitt, Wade Phillips, Bob Stoops, Heinz Ward. There's some real solid name value there. That's the first level of this. The XFL went out and paid high level, well, you know, relatively high level coaching talent, right? And I think that leads to what the XFL wants to do in comparison to the NFL. The XFL started after the NFL season ended, right? The Super Bowl ends. Then we have the next weekend, the XFL kicks off. The XFL is not trying to compete with the with the NFL. In fact, they have a partnership with the NFL. What the XFL's primary goal, in my opinion, should be is to end up like the G League of the NFL. And if you're not familiar with the G League, it's a basketball developmental league for the NBA where almost every team has a partner team in the G League that they can send up and down two-way players. So you'll sign up you know, players to a two-way contract where they can spend some time with the big league team, if you will, some time with the G League team for more development to get more minutes. Uh, and there's also players on the G League team who you know are, are searching for extending their career and extending their development. And then the G League also has a team called the G League Ignite, that serves as an alternative to college basketball. And what that team does, is it has tryouts just like any other NBA team would, I guess, um, and takes kids from high school and brings them in to compete against other G League teams. And these are high-level draft picks. Scoot Henderson, for example, who's projected to go number two overall in, the, in this upcoming draft, and uh, NBA draft, is on the G League Ignite. There's some real talent here, multiple first-round picks expected from the G League Ignite. Uh, and it's it's a, considered an alternative to going to college where you're not going to make as much as you would be in the NBA, but you're going to get real uh, stellar NBA, nearly NBA talent competition um, for the most talented college or college potential athletes, if that makes sense. And I think that's what the XFL could do. I'm going to come back to this. Let me focus on the teams. What the XFL is also smart in doing in their scheduling is that they're not targeting areas that have other alternatives after the Super Bowl. I currently live in New York. You think of New York after the Super Bowl is over, even the Knicks and Nets are playing, and that's part of you know the interest in the town. It's spring training season, man. The Yankees and the Mets, two great teams this year. That's the focus. The focus is on Aaron Judge. The focus is on uh, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. The focus is on the Bronx and Queens. The focus is not on football. And the last edition of the XFL had the Orlando Guardians in New York as the New York Guardians. And they weren't a great success. I believe they were playing at a soccer field. Um which I'll talk about in a second as a, as a real step up there, but they didn't have success. And you'll see, you see the XFL's teams target areas that maybe 
have an increased focus on football that are college football towns, if you will, college football areas, right? We have Houston, we have Orlando, we have Arlington, San Antonio, uh, St. Louis, Vegas, all of these areas with either increased or a legitimate football love that may be above every other sport in the area. And so when you have that, you have a lot more of an interest. You have more of an excitement going to games, and that shows on the television product. If you watched XFL games this time around, you could see, I mean, it's only been one week, but you could see the level of excitement it has increased compared to what it was last season. And these are real stadiums they're filling. I hinted at the the teams playing in soccer stadiums previously, and some of them still do, but some of them are filling real XFL stadiums. Um, I don't have it in front of me. I wish I did. Um, but in terms of the stadiums they're playing in the, the San Antonio's playing in the Alamo dome, which is a big stadium, uh, Arlington, the renegades, they're playing in what was globe life field. The first edition, I believe now it's called Choctaw stadium. Um, after the Texas Rangers rebuilt, they left the old stadium up. That's where the Arlington renegades are playing. The Seattle sea dragons are playing in Lumen field, which is where the Seattle Seahawks play. These stadiums are legitimate full stadiums. They're not half empty, uh, you know, community college looking stadiums that I think other developmental leagues have launched in in the past in the USFL and the AAF and the XFL in previous iterations. And Dwayne Johnson has made these business decisions to not only open in areas, not only avoid competing with the NFL and, and form a partnership, not only to open in areas with a, a real desire for football. I didn't even talk about St. Louis relaunching in St. Louis in the former Rams stadium where the city has been dying for football since the Rams left to LA. Uh, but not only did he launch in those areas, um, but more importantly, I think he understands the overall business aspect of it, the marketing aspect of it. And that the XFL has a real opportunity to be different and not just to be different, to be different, if that makes sense. They're being different to be innovative, to be that partner that the NFL needs. Not only could they develop into some, into a league where talent comes in instead of going to college and competes at a high level before they make it to the NFL, which I think is, should be their goal, as I mentioned, like the G League, but they become sort of a rules tester like the minor leagues are for baseball. So if you haven't watched a game, I, like I said, I highly recommend it. But I can kind of give you a brief on some of the things that I find the most interesting. I have the list of rule differences from the NFL. I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, but for example, first off, there's tiered extra points. So um, if you want to, uh, if you score a touchdown, you have you have three different options. You have uh, a so in so-called two-point conversion attempt from three different places. So what we would traditionally call a two-point conversion in the NFL, right? It's either a run or pass play, but it's not worth two points. If you go from the two-yard line, it's worth one point. If you go from the five-yard line, it's worth two points. And if you go from the 10-yard line, it's worth three points. So you have a situation where you get six for the touchdown, right? Um, and then you have an opportunity to either get another one, two, or three points on top of that. So you could get nine points for a touchdown, right? It makes the game a lot more attainable in late moments. It makes late moments more exciting. Um, what else here? There's some, some things about the clock that I don't think are really too important. Um, one thing is the kickoffs. Teams line up five yards apart, and uh, 
the at the 30 and 35 respectively and the ball is kicked off and then when that player catches the ball only then can the the defenders move on the kickoff it's a lot safer for head injuries i could make a whole conversation about head, head injuries in the nfl but kickoffs have a majority of the issues kickoffs and punts are really devastating when it comes to head injuries and really overall injuries in general but this significantly reduces injuries and i think is a better way for kickoffs to actually happen while still staying action-packed Another thing, fourth, in the fourth quarter, instead of doing a traditional onside kick, which you can do at any time through the game, you could do a fourth and 15 conversion from your own 25-yard line. So if you get that, then you just take over the ball right there. And I think the traditional onside kick has really lost a lot of luster in the NFL. It rarely gets, uh, it rarely happens, rarely uh, is converted. There's the word I'm looking for. And so having an option where you can run an offensive play, think about if they launched this in the NFL. And that's what this is. This is a testing, if you will, for the NFL to see which rules they like and they can take over. Imagine this is in the NFL, right? Patrick Mahomes is down two touchdowns, three minutes left in the game. No need for some fugazi 10-yard onside kick or, you know, potentially a punting it back. They could go for the touchdown, go for the three-point conversion, Go for this fourth and 15 and then just drive all the way down the field again. You put the best offenses on the field in late moments, and I think that makes the game more interesting. There's a rule about a double forward pass if the first forward pass is behind the line of scrimmage, which I think is not really too exciting, but it's worth noting. Uh, And there's overtime as well, which are are fun, I guess. The, The overtime rules are a little different. You start with the ball on the opponent's five yard line and then try to score and taking turns in that uh, three attempts per team. Um, But what I think is also interesting, especially is the rule, uh, the officiating. So there will be, uh, there is in the XFL centralized replay, essentially. So they have a replay official that's in a command center that's off somewhere else. I forgot where it is. It's It's in a specific location. They have communication to the referees on the field. And so they can either correct any errors on non-reviewable plays. They can uh, uh, worry about player safety at any point during the game or any issue in the last five minutes at all and in overtime. So just like in the NFL, the head coaches can challenge a play and there's direct communication from the control center to the referees. And what's cool about it is you can see the communication. There's a camera in the control center. This is not some dude, you know, sitting way off and he buzzes into the ref on the field and you have no idea what's going on as a viewer. You are in the control center there. You're hearing the conversation and the logic and the reasoning of why these referees are flipping the call. It it makes it a lot more understandable and approachable from a fan's perspective. You're not sitting there wondering, thinking this guy's stupid. You're sitting there saying, okay, that's the reasoning. Wow, I don't agree or wow, I do agree, but at least you understand where the referees are coming from. There's a lot more honesty in it as well. There's a lot less of a potential for people saying a call is rigged. Because if you review a late call in in the XFL's version of the Super Bowl on a holding play on Juju Smith-Schuster between the Chiefs and the Eagles, you're hearing the logic in the control center of why that was called and why they're going to confirm that call. And so... That centralized location, I think, is a, is a way into the future that the NFL could use. And it's it's one of the few, or I should say, it's, it's one of the strongest rules that the XFL is launching that the NFL could take over down the road.
And this is why I believe the XFL is the future. It's the testing lab. When you had in baseball, for example, you had bigger bases being tried out in the minors. You had a pitch clock being tried out in the minors. And those went well. And those are being implemented into today's MLB. And I'm excited for them. In the NFL, you could have the same thing where XFL is testing out certain rules. That's the beauty of this partnership. That's the beauty of the two leagues working in coexistence is that they are symbiotic. They're helping each other out from a rules perspective and from a media and marketing and promotion perspective. But that's not really the point. Um, although I could talk about the marketing of the XFL for a long, a long time on this podcast um, as a marketing guy myself. But um you have an opportunity for this developmental technology. I'd like to see it expand, to be honest. So one of my pet peeves about the NFL is that the archaic technology that we use, we're stand, we're having refs stand on the goal line, watching a guy leap over a hurdle of, of offensive linemen and trying to see if the ball crossed the plane via cameras. We are to track first downs. We're touting out a chain, a 10 yard chain, from the sideline if they don't know the spot accurately they're running the chain over manually just picking up the chain carrying it over if they don't know exactly where the spot is the refs just stands on the sideline and tries to give his best guess it's the most ridiculous thing in the world that a multi-billion dollar industry multi-billion dollar enterprise in the nfl is using archaic things like a guy standing on the sideline giving his best judgment and a guy picking up a 10-yard chain and carrying it down to the middle of the field with a note card for potential of precise measurements as their way of tracking progress on the field. And I like to see the XFL test more of that out, test more of this technology out. Maybe it's uh, using like the eagle eye technology that tennis uses to challenge uh, whether it calls in or out, and they kind of show like a preview of uh, almost like an animated image of where the ball hit. I think you can use something very similar, ball tracking and high technology cameras for first down placements, for uh, chains, for, you know, first down yardage accomplishments. You're telling me you couldn't have a chip tracker in the ball that just automatically marks off when the ball gets into the end zone and crosses the plane? You're telling me a league that makes billions of dollars, not not millions, billions but billions of dollars and is watched all around the country intently that had what hundred million plus live viewers in the Super Bowl that's selling million dollar 30 second commercials, multi multi million dollar 30 second commercials that they can't put a chip in the ball to track whether it's across the plane at the goal line. And we got to have two 70 year old men stand on the sidelines, trying their best to figure out where the ball is. No. I don't believe that for a second. And I don't believe that the NFL has any excuse now. The XFL could be the perfect testing launch for or testing testing site for something like this to launch. And, you know, you you handle the kinks in the XFL before you take it to the NFL. And that's why I think the XFL is the future. It's the future of developing the sport of football to make consumers happy. Not only being a developmental league, which I think also improves the overall product, but being something that can test rules, that can test different ways that the game progresses. I think the XFL is really, truly the future of football. All right, on to NBA All-Star Weekend. I didn't watch a whole lot of it, and I kind of don't want to talk about it on the podcast, but it's just another underwhelming product. And I don't know whether it's the fact that there's no real monetary value 
that players don't enjoy the competition that there once was. I don't know if formats need to be refreshed more often to keep players interested. I don't know if players are worried about injury. I don't know if the injury of players who should be in the all-star game is, is what, you know, is decreasing the interest overall. And frankly, I don't know how to fix it, but um, the all-star game is just not an interesting interpretation of basketball. I, I think it's something that has its moments, right? There was cool moments of, of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum matching up on opposite teams, uh, there was cool lobs, you know, a few cool lobs in there. LeBron throwing the ball off the backboard. I guess that's pretty cool. But overall, it was kind of a dud. And it's been a dud. It's been a real dud. It's one of the worst basketball products that's out there. One of the worst sports products that's out there. The NFL is trying innovative things to improve uh, their similar product in the Pro Bowl, right? They're, they got They scrapped the whole football game. They have a flag football game. They have the Pro Bowl games, skills competitions, that sort of thing. And the NFL has incorporated more of that, right? They brought in the skills competition, right? Three players uh, now in the skills comp. Uh, the three-point shooting contest, I think, is the most valuable of the whole All-Star weekend. Uh, most valuable event, should I say, of the whole All-Star weekend. A dunk contest. I mean, Mac McClung did well. That was exciting. At the end of the day, he was a G-leaguer when they chose him. There's just not a lot of interest overall from the fans. And I think that stems from not a lot of interest in the players. There's been a lot of call for a potential one-on-one -on -one tournament, uh, potential financial motivations, and I think some of that could work. I don't think the one-on-one -on -one tournament ever gets off the ground just because players' egos are too big to lose in a one-on-one -on -one tournament. But I think it would be really interesting and, and fascinating. I think the monetary value depends on the player, right? Mac McClung really wanted to do the All-Star, or really wanted to do the slam dunk contest because he was a $100,000 uh, prize and he had only earned 106 in his NBA career so far. So, you know, you nearly double his total career earnings in the NBA. But could monetary value higher than 100,000 be something that motivates people? Maybe. I don't know if it's worth it for the NFL, or the NBA rather. What I do think could work, and I'm not sure it would go over well, is when you have these, this wouldn't fix the All-Star game, but it would fix things like the dunk contest, is when you have these competitions make them only accessible by all-stars. So if you are chosen for the all-star game, you have to participate in the slam dunk contest. You have to participate in the three-point contest. You have to pick. You have to, you have to do one of them. Maybe you don't have to pick. Maybe it's, it's something that's forced. I haven't really thought about this all through, throughout. I'm kind of throwing things out here. But think about it like this, right? How many all-stars did they have? Uh, uh, 24, right? If you if you don't count the injured players, 24 healthy players in theory, minus I guess minus Giannis, whose wrist was hurt and he only played 20 seconds in the game, and then LeBron leaving the game. All right, there's some other injuries in there, but let's say 24 for the purpose of this argument, because that's the amount of players that are supposed to be selected. You could probably get a good amount for each competition, right? You like let's think if you had eight people in the three point comp contest and you had, I don't know four to six people in the dunk contest and you had a bunch in the skills competition, I think it'd be a lot more intriguing to limit it to that pool. And I don't know how that's possible. I don't know if the players okay that. I don't know if the NBA okays that. But I think it's something that they could try to throw out there. 
because it doesn't matter if it's if it's a guy who's tall who's doing the dunk contest, right? Even though Giannis is e- easily able to dunk, I'd rather see Giannis pull out a trick dunk than Jericho Sims. I'm just I'm nothing against Jericho Sims, right? He's a fine young player, but his dunks were bad, and I don't mean to hate, but his dunks weren't great, and I don't have any excitement watching his dunks, any part of it. Outside of Mac McClung, I didn't think the dunks this year were that great. And I watched it on replay. I didn't watch it live. But I don't know. It just wasn't great. Maybe maybe what you could do as well, I've heard suggested, and I don't hate, is bringing in guys with less NBA affiliation, making it more of a spectacle, like the celebrity all-star game is, making it a celebrity dunk contest, bringing in dunk contest guys from off of YouTube, like Mac McClung was before he got into the G League and into the NBA. Um, you know, bring guys in whose specialty is dunking to see them perform. I don't know, but the N- NBA needs to refresh. I think they refreshed when they got rid of the East versus West. I think that worked for a while. They refreshed when they fixed this, um, when they got the new scoring system in place where you only have to have 24 points in the fourth quarter, more than the leader. I think both of which provided temporary relief to this problem but I think they need to make more sweeping changes if they want to keep this product better represent, better representing the NBA as a whole. And I think that's what they need to do to really drive viewership in the event. Otherwise it's just going to be another event that fizzles out uh, like the pro bowl was. Um, and like the, uh, really the NBA all-star game has been geez for 15 years or so where there's moments that are intriguing, but you can watch those on replay because the overall event is not very interesting. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Lots of Thoughts, a sports podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation about the Super Bowl, about the XFL, about the NBA All-Star Weekend. If you did enjoy the content, click the subscribe button on YouTube and the like button as well. It'll suggest our video in the algorithm to new viewers that want to watch it. Um, If you're listening on an audio platform, head over to YouTube and subscribe over there uh, or just rate us five stars where you're at. I really appreciate it. any support and on any platform and if you're interested in more of our content there's links in the description on youtube or in the show notes on any audio platform it'll take you to all of our content including our website to access the merchandise the newsletter podcast whatever uh but also access all the socials in the description including instagram twitter tiktok youtube uh, i guess i already mentioned that um what else is over there i don't know just go subscribe to wherever you want So thank you very much for watching this episode. I hope you enjoyed. Have a wonderful rest of your day.